congratulations to Brad Keselowski and Team Penske on a massive win at Talladega Super Speedway. Win number six for Brad Keselowski and for us in NASCAR this year. Ten races in and nine different winners, Cole. What a weekend it was at Talladega. This really was one of the better Talladega races start to finish I think I've seen in a long time. Uh, I, I will say that the racing as a whole was phenomenal. We saw, we really didn't see a clear-cut favorite, to be honest. Like, we saw a lot of guys taking turns leading last. We saw, uh, I think it was Denny Hamlin lead the most laps. We saw Joey Logano, Matt Benedetto, Kevin Harvick. It was really a good crop of drivers. Swapping for the lead. The only cars that were really able to control the pack, I'd say, were Brad Keselowski and maybe Denny Hamlin and Matt Benedetto. Those those Fords really had it hooked up on Sunday, and I, I'd say it was a great Talladega race overall. And just seeing Brad Keselowski get that sixth win, it felt like, like a historic moment in the sport, and it was really cool after the race to see fans across NASCAR kind of lighten, lightening up about Brad Keselowski, because I feel like ever since 09 where he got that first win at Talladega, he was wrongfully shamed as, like, the villain of NASCAR. But, I mean, after this this race, it seemed like a lot of fans were coming around and, like, like giving him the recognition he deserves because this really is a monumental achievement to tie Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jeff Gordon for a second on the all-times win list at Talladega is something that you, you will be remembered for for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say over my lifetime and really in this generation of drivers, Brad Keselowski has always been the most underrated, the most underappreciated, uh, and maybe even the most disrespected only because he's yes. had some feuds with guys like Kyle Busch and Carl Edwards who do have large fan bases, but just look at his body of work. I mean, this is a guy who is a champion and to win his one championship to this point, he had to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with in my opinion, by my money, the greatest of all time, Jimmy Johnson, and is one of the only drivers to ever beat him head-to-head -head for a championship in his prime. And there's absolutely something to be said for that. And, and, you know, outside of, you know, cementing himself as a potential Hall of Famer or maybe even a probable Hall of Famer, I mean, his super speedway record, and especially at Talladega, speaks for itself. And it's really, like you said, it's about time that he starts to get his just due because... You know, it's a guy that he's at the sort of tail end of his career, and maybe it's time people start appreciating him a little bit more and giving him the recognition that he deserves. And I also want to jump in here and say real quick, like, he has been one of the greatest ambassadors for this sport, I, I think, since I've been watching NASCAR. You know, like, he's he is such a well-rounded, such a polished guy with the media, uh, just, you know, being an advocate for the sport, and he's just such a class act, and I think many people don't take that into consideration, but he's he's really just been so great for NASCAR. It's so true, and you see the way certain athletes, or even in this case, drivers handle themselves, especially even, you know, as champions or ambassadors of the sport, and, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily fit with the way that a guy like Brad Keselowski carries himself. He just always knows how to handle the media, and not just the media, but but everything when it comes to that scene and representing the sport. Um, and, you know, in my opinion, one of my personal favorite drivers, as long as I've been watching the sport. Anyhow, you know, it was a good race at Talladega. I would say maybe a little bit forgettable because there were, I guess, not too many signature moments, but it was cool to see one of the best cars win and one of the best drivers win. Um, but coming out of this race, there were quite a few storylines. And so with that, let's go with our Splash and Ghost segment here. The big one, of course, was one of the race favorites and the guy you picked to win being taken out early. Joey Logano with a big flip 
And that onboard footage with uh, Bubba Wallace was absolutely <laughs> surreal, by the way. It looked literally looked like a movie scene or a video game scene. It did. Un- absolutely unreal. And, you know, a violent hit where Joey Logano, uh, one of the taller drivers, said when he got out of the car, he had a roll bar hitting his head pretty much. And he was very, very vocal and outspoken about the fact that maybe NASCAR shouldn't be racing at super speedways. And, you know, in my opinion, I'll go first here, I guess. It's really just a testament to the fact that you can't, you know, in my opinion, super speedway racing is not going to stop. It's Daytona, it's Talladega. There's staples in NASCAR. They're not going to stop going to those tracks. However, it's a reminder that there's always room for improvement. Never stop improving. And, you know, Ryan Newman's crash at the Daytona 500 in 2020 certainly was a wake-up call. And then you have moments like this where you're lucky that, that it wasn't more violent or more serious than what it was. Um, but in my opinion, it's just another wake-up call that there is more work to do. There always is more work to do, even when there's not a big injury or, or anything like that happening in the sport. Perfectly said. I think... Honestly, like the way that car flipped, it was like a feather. Like it looked like it was nothing, to be honest with you. And it was it was scary and kind of incredible to see at the same time. But yeah, there's always room for improvement. And I was also thinking to myself, like, thank God he didn't get hit by by an oncoming car because that could have been really, really bad in terms of injury or something or scares. And but that's what happened to Ryan Newman. Exactly, exactly. And he said he was one hit away from a Ryan Newman incident. So. Uh, thank God Joey is okay, and thank God for NASCAR and these safety innovations. And I, I here's what I'm going to say. There can be work done for, for the super speedway racing. Like you, They need to wait and see how this next-gen car handles. Uh, it's a completely different car. They're going to have completely different packages, and they could look into slowing down the speed, uh, adding more downforce. Whatever the case may be, there needs to be a way to keep these cars grounded and, and lessen the impact. Uh, but... I, I don't know if there's much you can do at this point in this season or, or whatever because it, it, what it boils down to is slowing down the cars and just adding as much padding as possible so these drivers can't get injured inside the, their headrest. Yeah, that is the biggest thing. You kind of mentioned it at the beginning of your comment there. Just keep the cars on the ground. If there's anything else you can do, add more roof flaps. I mean, whatever it might be, you know, just to keep the cars grounded. And if that takes some more testing than what you initially had scheduled, then obviously that's that's something that's worth it. I mean, the safety is of utmost importance, of course, to NASCAR. And again, just a testament to how well they have done in adjusting and keeping up to, to speed with these safety innovations. So, you know, on one hand, kudos to NASCAR... On one hand, kudos to NASCAR for making it uh, as the cars as safe as they are. And on the other hand, there's so much more work to be done. And even... Before we even get to Daytona, there's work that can be done to these cars, so something to keep an eye on going forward. The other big piece of news that actually dropped on this past Wednesday afternoon, Colleg Racing apparently is going to go full-time cup racing in 2022 with at least one car, according to Matt Colleg. And this is big news because this has been, as far as this race team, one of the best stories that has come from the sport in the last two or three years. An upstart team that, you know, didn't come from a big racing background in terms of uh, a built-in following like a Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan or a junior motorsports type of crew. I mean, this was a, a, a person and a team and a company that wanted to get into NASCAR and fielded a team and made it competitive at the Xfinity Series level, started running Cup this year on a full-time basis, and now they are going to go full-time next year. So it's a testament to the fact that you can 
field a team in NASCAR and be competitive. And that is massive uh, going forward for other teams and investors looking to get into the sport. You look at the drivers that have come up or end are with Colleague Racing, like AJ Allmendinger, Justin Haley, Kaz Grala. These are really fun guys to root for. And there's so much like... Uh, passion there's so much like heart in this organization and you could tell that they love racing for each other they love racing for uh the guys in the shop and everybody at home like it's it's just a very like a mom pop feel uh, uh team you know and that's what you need for this sport to thrive and succeed and you know just for fun let's throw out some hypotheticals like who who would you like to see in the full-time ride assuming it's one car for college racing and cup and who do you think will be in that ride it's tough to say because you've got so many drivers that, that have proven themselves and, and done a really great job for colleague racing in the xfinity series and honestly this is definitely recency bias on my part but i would love to see it be kaz Grawa because he comes out at these tracks in the cup series whether it's a road course or super speedway whatever it is and he just performs and he does it silently and he does it his own way and it would be great to see a, a young guy like that get his shot but also A.J. Allmendinger's got such a great story. I mean, this guy kind of pseudo-retired from racing, got back into it on a, a, a part-time basis, wanted to have fun. That was sort of his slogan last year with Colleague Racing, won a bunch of races, and has continued to perform extremely well in the Xfinity Series this year. So, you know, it would be so cool to see A.J. Allmendinger get a second chance. And really, with how competitive this team is and this equipment, I think he would have a shot at, at being a, a playoff driver next year. And you know, again, that's maybe a little bit of recency bias on my part, but there's so many different options that you could go. I mean, it might not even necessarily have to be a driver that's currently in the colleague racing pipeline. You, you took my two guys, actually. So I was going to say, in, in Kaz Grala's case, I think he's done a tremendous job. Uh, three cup races and two top tens in that time. And, and in the one he didn't finish top ten was in Daytona 500, and he, he wrecked out. But he also had a really fast car the entire weekend there. Um, my only fear with putting him straight into cup is that I'm afraid it'll be a bit like Anthony Alfredo in, in the sense where it'll be difficult to adjust. And I mean, we don't know if Anthony Alfredo is going to be hurt in the long term for this, but it, it could hurt a driver's confidence and, and their ability to, to, to field these cars just in that adjustment period. Um, but he's done incredible with the opportunities he's been, he's been given, uh, Kaz Grala. I think he'd be great. He's only run three races, like, period, in, in 2021. No Xfinity, no trucks. So to see him go out there and do that well in this this part-time ride is insane. Um, obviously, you have Justin Haley out there who won at Daytona in 2019. Also, uh, he's, he's done good at, at the speedways, but he hasn't done great in the times he's been running in the mile and a half, the mile tracks. Like, it, it, he hasn't that hasn't translated quite as well. Um, and even in the, on the Xfinity side, he's kind of slowed down a bit. And then AJ Allmendinger, I, I'd say I, I would love to see him get another another shot in Cup. For me, if he were to make the championship four and win the championship, I think that would merit enough uh, for him to be in the Cup car for colleague racing. Yeah, and you know that's the move that that makes the most sense, right? A guy that's a veteran, he's ran full time or he's run full time in the Cup series plenty of times before uh, for various different teams and. Like I said, let's not shut down the possibility that it could be a guy on an expiring contract in the Cup Series like a Brad Keselowski or somebody of that nature. Maybe a Ricky Stenhouse Jr. who's proving himself to do really well. A Matt Benedetto. I mean, there's a lot of options that 
would make a lot of sense, especially if it's going to be a one-car operation and you want somebody who's going to do a good job fielding just that one car. Anyhow, moving on, at least from the Cup Series at Talladega, um, to stacking pennies. And it's kind of tough to name any drivers that are stacking pennies after Talladega because there's a lot of sort of outlier performances. Uh, we had Matt Benedetto graduating from this segment last week, and of course he comes out and gets fifth, so he's no longer obviously part of this segment. Um, but another great run for Tyler Reddick, potentially could graduate from this segment um, with a good run at Kansas. But like I said, kind of hard to, to pick new drivers who are, are putting together these great performances with the unpredictability of Talladega. So Kansas will give us a better indicator. Um, any other thoughts on that, Cole, before we move on? Yes. So I, I would say if we had to, to pick two more guys, it's going to be Eric Almarola and Austin Dillon for me. And I'm picking these two guys because they ran very well at Talladega. They did very well in the prior two races and or improved their position from the, the weeks prior. And um, those are two guys who typically run pretty well at Kansas. So I'm looking at those guys to keep their momentum going. And if they can uh, get a quality finish in Kansas, I I'd say that they're definitely in the Stacking Penny segment for sure. Yeah, so let's roll through the top 10 from this race at Talladega. Again, Brad Keselowski, the winner, he enters the NASCAR playoffs. And again, so silently, but so expectedly, William Byron almost won the dang race, finished second, and then Michael McDowell, one of the best super speedway racers on the circuit, ended up third. Kevin Harvick, also silently with a fourth place finish. Uh, Matt Benedetto, we mentioned, was fifth. Kaz Grawa, sixth. Tyler Reddick, seventh. Austin Dillon, eighth. Ryan Blaney, ninth. Cole Custer, 10th. So um, some good, you know, new names. Uh, it's good to see new names in the top 10 there um, for guys who have worked really hard for it and not had starts to the season that they would have liked to. Yeah, so of the guys that we haven't really touched on in the show yet, I want to give a shout out to Stuart Haas Racing because they, they this was their most complete race thus far, and that says a lot for it being a super speed race event. This is an interesting stat I found out um, after the race, so... This was the first time since November 1st, 2020, so Martinsville, that two Stuart Haas Racing Fords finished top 10. And then going even beyond that, this was the first time since September 12th of 2020 at Richmond that all four teams placed top 15, and ironically, Brad Kosowski won that race too. And really, it's great to see because we've talked several times about how so far this year through 10 races, it's been the same three teams really dominating, Joe Gibbs Racing, Team Penske, and Hendrick Motorsports, and obviously the missing piece of the puzzle has always been Stuart Haas Racing. It's very odd to see them not performing up to their standards and really even competing for top fives on most weeks up until this week at Talladega. So you got to think, with nine different winners through ten races and none of them having come from Stuart Haas Racing, and then all the champions who haven't won yet, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, kind of venturing off on a bit of a tangent here, but all the different drivers that probably you're still going to win before the playoffs. It makes you think that there's going to be more than 16 winners by the time that this regular season ends. And, and it's fun to think about because when we first or NASCAR first enlisted this new playoff format, uh, whenever it was 2017 or 16, whenever it was, uh, I did not think we would see this day. And, and it's great to see for the sport, how competitive it is. And you got to hope just from a competitive standpoint that Stuart Haas Racing can continue to build off of this performance and accelerate and do a good job this week uh, at Kansas and parlay that into maybe wins down the road. Anyhow, moving on to the other race that took place at Talladega this past weekend. Very popular win. Jeb Burton, his first career NASCAR Xfinity Series win in a rain-shortened event. 
I actually did not get a chance to catch this race, Cole. So what were your thoughts on it? It was it was pretty solid. There was a, a lot of jockeying for positions, obviously, like you'd normally see at a Talladega race. It, you know what? It was very similar to the, the cup race in a sense where there was no clear-cut dominant car, but I guess if you had to pick one, Jeb Burton did lead, I want to say, around 20-something laps, so he was, he had a really good car, it was no fluke win, he's always been a good uh, plate racer, or I guess, I guess, we don't use plates anymore, but still, um, he's always been good at those tracks, he even ran well, well at Daytona, and he had a good shot to win before I think he, he finished fourth or something like that, so, um, very similar to the cup race, good racing, not very memorable though. Um, I, I just want to say, though, like, it's so cool to see this Burton tradition just being kept alive. Like, their legacy is one I feel like is taken for granted so much in NASCAR. I mean, dating back to Ward, Jeff, now you have Harrison and Jeb out here and, and still winning races and being relevant. It's just so cool to see that tradition uh, going on for so long, you know? It really is awesome because, you know, so many people, rightfully so, they zone in on the Elliots and the Blaney's and the Earnhardt's, but... The Burtons have been there just as long, if not longer, and performing at the same level. So it is great to see, and that, that family is not going anywhere anytime soon. Turning the page, though, to Kansas Speedway, a race that, first of all, Cole, you will be there in attendance for covering for three different media entities. Am I right? Us included, yes. So the Money Stop, News from the Pits, and the Circuit Journal, which is, I, I just started writing for them again, uh, run by John Haverlin. So it's going to be a great weekend for you. Your first time in, what is it, the, the Grassland State, or I don't even know what they call Kansas. <laughs> the Yellowbrick Road State, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, some reason, uh, gives you some reason to go check out the great old state of Kansas, but uh, banking off of that, nickel or dime, let's look at some of these paint schemes this week. I'll start by saying, stating the obvious, the fact that, you know, these don't even come anywhere close to the paint schemes from Talladega. Or from Darlington, which, by the way, you led me astray yeah, in saying that yeah. Darlington was was this week. So I got my hopes up. I got way too excited for so, that one. And that is, that is next week, right? We can, it, we can it, actually it say that. It definitely is. Yes, okay. May, May 9th. So what I'm getting at here is these paint schemes, you know, compared to Darlington and Talladega, aren't great. They're, they're just not. But there are some dimes. There's dimes every week. And I'm going to go out and say that my favorite car this week is the Unifirst car for Chase Elliott. I love that greenish teal um, with the white, I think it's a slick looking design and that's definitely my dime of the week. I don't know that I necessarily have another one out of the, the special paint schemes. I do like the 17 car for Chris Buescher, the auto tempest car, a little bit busy, but I like the colors. I love the light blue. Um, and then the seven for Spire Motorsports, the nation's guard car. We usually see Kyle Larson rocking those colors, but again, Corey LaJoy, you know, he's had some great paint schemes this year. So those would probably be my three favorite special paint schemes of the week. Yes, so I love Chase's Unifirst car, but I'm not going to go on talking about that just because it has been used already this year twice. Uh, I I like Bubba Wallace's Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar car a lot. I think that the, the, the maroon classic Dr. Pepper red on the front looks good. There's like a gray or a silver line towards the number and then the, the back of the car is black. It totally makes me want a Dr. Pepper. I'll say that. I mean, just yeah. like you said, the color, it just speaks for itself. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool looking car. It's simple. It's nice. Uh, I like, you know what? I like Brad Keselowski's Verizon car a lot. Another very simple car. So it, it look okay. I'll say this. If it's, if it's a matte black, it'll be awesome in person mm -hmm. if it's you know the, the traditional gloss or whatever it's it's whatever it'll still look cool but it, it's uh, a black base you have the verizon red on the bottom of the side skirts going up by the the rear of the uh, quarter panel and then there's like a 
it's like a, a whitish gray strip above that. And then another uh, red stripe going up by the front wheel well by the uh, the window of the car, which it, it looks cool. It's, it's simple, as I mentioned. Uh, it's actually kind of similar to the, the, the Dr. Pepper car, so I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm feeling black and red this week. And then I'll give one more out to, you know what? This is very uncharacteristic of me. I like the Dickies 21 for Matt Benedetto a lot. Um, they released some pictures on Twitter. The one we're looking at right now doesn't really do it justice, but I think it's going to be pretty cool. Like, so it's the Dickies yellow. It's not not the classic Menards neon yellow. It's that like a, a mustard type yellow. Same color for the wheels. Uh, it's got like a, a navy blue number with a red outline. It just looks, it's, it's, it, it's bare bones, very simple, but I think it's going to look cool in person. Yeah, I definitely disagree. I'm not a big fan of that 21 car this week. I could see it looking better in person, but like you said, the picture is is not doing it justice for me, so that's going to be a nickel. Moving on to the starting lineup, though, in what is being called the Bushy McBush Race 400, obviously sponsored by Bush Beer and a race that was named by the fans. Here's what the starting lineup looks like. Brad Keselowski will start on the pole, followed by William Byron, Michael McDowell, Kevin Harvick, Matt Benedetto, the exact same way that those five drivers finished at Talladega. Six through ten, Austin Dillon, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch, and Cole Custer. And then the notables deeper in the field, there are quite a few names starting deep in the pack because we just came from Talladega where obviously a lot of drivers were... Taken, uh, taken down in wrecks and, and ended up with deep finishing positions. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting race because there's a lot of really good drivers starting in the back and deep in the back. So 13th Bubba Wallace, 15th Martin Shrix Jr. had a pretty decent showing in Talladega but got caught up in a wreck. 17th Chase Elliott. He just had a very off day, no rhyme or reason for it, just didn't have speed. 18th Eric Amarola. 20th, Denny Hamlin, 23rd, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 25th, Alex Bowman, who had a collision with his his Hendrick teammates in, in the uh, second stage, I believe, but he has a very uh, good record here at Kansas, which we'll get into in a bit. Eric Jones, 27th, Kurt Busch, 28th, Joey Logano, 29th, got in that big wreck uh, at the end of the first stage. 32nd, Kyle Larson, a guy we have not mentioned in this show, definitely on a cold streak here. Failed to finish 10 laps in the race because he had an engine go or a mechanical failure. Austin Sindrick starting 38th, making his fourth cup start. And then 39th, Matt Mills making his cup debut for BJ McLeod Motorsports. Interesting. Very interesting starting lineup, like you said. And there's going to be, um, for Kansas, which it, in my opinion, it's one of the better mile and a half tracks. But as if you needed any more reason to watch... There's going to be so many drivers starting deep in the field that really are, are probably going to charge their way through, and there's going to be a lot of moving parts in this race, the Bushy McBush Race 400. So let's take it to the bank. Let's talk about what some of these drivers, uh, what drivers to look for, at least uh, those who might be favorites this week, and for DFS and, and fantasy type of purposes. All right, so last spring it was the JGR show with Denny Hamlin winning and leading the most laps. Keselowski finished second, Truex third. And then the fall, the most recent race, Joey Logano won after Harvick led the most laps and finished second with Alex Bowman placing third. Um, here's what I will say. This track may race differently. It could be harder to predict, but for the most part, it should be usual, the usual suspects. Uh, talking with William Byron this morning, actually, Kansas is definitely developing some character, as heard from him and many other drivers. Ten years since the last repave, and he compared it to... Homestead, in a sense, and in a sense, there's high speeds and, you know, the, the ability to run against the wall. 
prior to this, he he more so compared it to Vegas, which I also like Vegas a lot. It's a, it, it races very nice, but you get, I guess, more variety, more strategy at, uh, at at Homestead, obviously. And one thing I will say, comparing it to Homestead, I, I feel like I I do get that comparison as of recent because. This is a track where we've seen over the last two years where it can really come back and, and, and bite you. Like, it's 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 a dangerous track. We've seen Eric Amarola get get really hurt from that crash with Danica one year. Even last year, the la- I think it was fall, Ryan Priest took a nasty hit where he, he got he went off the ground. He was up in flames. So this is a very uh, unforgiving track. It, it's one you don't really think about when you think of those nasty wrecks, but it, it has reputation for that. Um, it's going to be a good race. I, I really do believe that. But looking at some of these standout guys over the the recent uh, races at Kansas, Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott. These two guys have the best average finish over the last two years, so four races with uh, sixth place. Alex Bowman has three top tens, including two top fives, where he placed second in the spring of 2019. Uh, Chase Elliott, as we mentioned, starting deep in the pack along with Alex Bowman. Um, he's in the same boat as far as top 10s and top 5s, but he also has the win in 2018 in the playoffs, and he led 48 laps and finished 6th last fall. Now, that being said, you did mention this was a race that was really dominated by Joe Gibbs Racing last year, and the defending winner is going to start 20th this week, and Denny Hamlin ran well, obviously, at Talladega as he runs well everywhere, finally finished outside of the top 5 for just the second time this year, Um, And even despite the fact that he is starting deep in the field, there's definitely reason to believe that that is not going to happen again this week. Oh, no way. Yeah, I I fully expect him to be in the top 10 by maybe 10 laps. I I don't know. But yes, Denny Hamlin. He has a win at Kansas in each of the last two years, but it's been pretty much win or bust over the last two years in a sense, too. Um, Aside from those two victories, he didn't place higher than 15th, but he still led 268 laps, which was the most by far in that span. And then, of course, we can't talk Kansas without Kevin Harvick. Riding a three-race top 10 streak and finished runner-up most recently, he's uh, tied for most wins among active drivers with three with uh, Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano. And also, um, this is just coming to me right now, we didn't have his car pictured on the nickel or dime segment because it wasn't on NASCAR.com for some reason. But Stuart Haas Racing and Bush Beer put a picture up on Twitter of the... Bush corn. I don't. I don't know the exact branding, but the Bush corn car, and it looks really, really cool. That would be a massive dime for me. So we'll we'll probably include that in the graphic uh, later on in the week. Yeah, and I mean again, Bush beer does just an exceptional job. I don't know if it's Bush beer or if it's Kevin Harvick's team specifically or, or whoever does an exceptional job with those paint schemes. Every single week they are top three, top five. I mean they're just killing it. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And then I, I just to kind of put a bow on the whole uh, drivers to watch thing because I'm trying to give you guys some more variety. I know we kind of kept it a little bit narrow sided, giving you three drivers to, to pick from, but let, let's get crazy here. So a handful of drivers have placed inside the, the top 10 three times in the last four starts at Kansas, and those drivers would be Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Martin Truex Jr., and Eric Jones. Um, the last one to keep an eye on for me is going to obviously be Brad Keselowski starting first. He didn't finish lower than fourth last year at any Kansas event. Um, he finished runner-up in the spring, and he also has the win in the spring of 2019. History shows he runs better in the spring also. Second best average finish over the last two years with 6.5. So if I got to give you three drivers specifically to go for, it's going to be Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, and Denny Hamlin. 
but I gave you a bunch right there. So hopefully you kind of take them, run with them for your uh, DFS lineup. Well, with that being said, let's put our money where our mouth is. So let's take it to the bank. And last week, again, I want to say for like, I don't know this officially, but I want to say for like the fifth time I picked a driver that picked that finished runner up and that was William Byron. So that was the first pick last week, meaning I picked first before you and that you go first this week for Kansas. All right, this is tough. I'm going to go with a guy who we mentioned numerous times on this on this show. And that guy is going to be Kevin Harvick. I think he rises to the occasion in the bushy McBush race 400 in the Bush beer car. And we alluded to it earlier. I think Stuart Haas racing is, is kind of finding their footing. Now, Kevin Harvick specifically has been one of the best cars all year, albeit silently, but he's, he's been a top 10 car all year. I think that this is the race where he breaks out. I think that Eric Amarola has a good race. I think you see Chase Briscoe have a, have a decent showing after his career best 11th place finish. And even Cole Custer. I, I expect Cole Custer to have a top 10 in this race or close to it. So a big day for Stewart House Racing. Harvick's my pick to win. For my sleeper, I'm going to keep it in the uh, SHR camp. I'm going to go with Cole Custer. I think that he had a very, very uh, good run in Kansas both races last year. Finished 14th and 7th uh, in those races. I think that a top 10 run was just what that team needed to get their uh, things pointed in the right direction. I, I say that, yeah, uh... Like I mentioned before, SHR has a really strong day at Kansas, and Harvick is my winner. Cole Custer is my sleeper. Yeah, and I was actually going to pick Cole Custer as my sleeper, too. And and obviously, Kevin Harvick was on the radar for me as far as a winner. There are a lot of guys I'm thinking about picking this week for my winner. And the first one that I point to is, honestly, it's William Byron, but I don't want to pick him Mm -hmm. two weeks in a row. Because, you know, you mentioned earlier, you talked to him today, and it— you know, it's a track that's developing similar traits to Homestead, which he won at earlier this year. Uh, he's starting second. He's run top 10. How many races in a row? Seven. Can I, can I help you out real quick, actually? Please do. He was my other pick to win this race. He mentioned numerous times when I interviewed him today, when I interviewed him post-race Talladega, that he felt very strongly about Kansas. He felt like this is one of his bread and butter tracks. Uh, yes, they're riding a eight-race top 10 streak. They've got 14 top 10s since winning at Daytona last year and two wins on top of that. And, and, the second best average finish tied with Kevin Harvick, 10.3. Tell you what, you know, I started out saying that I wasn't going to pick the same driver twice in a row, but you had me convinced. I was kind of between William Byron, Harvick, who you picked, and I also liked Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. But with, you know, both of them starting deep in the field, I'm going to go with William Byron. I'm going to do it. And I almost went with the same sleeper again, too, because Eric Jones has a very good average finish at this track, and he was my sleeper last week. I actually put the wrong number on the graphic. I accidentally put the 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr., but Eric Jones, who led laps and did well, was my sleeper last week. For this week, I'm going to go with Chris Buescher as my sleeper, because he has consistently done very well at these mile-and-a-half tracks, and like we have continued to mention, uh, a track that's develop- developing similarities to Homestead, where Chris Busher had sort of a breakout performance this year. So for me, William Byron, Chris Busher, take it to the bank. And now let's actually make you some real life money with our DFS lineup recommendation, which includes a lot of the drivers that we just talked about. The most expensive driver in our lineup heading things off is actually Alex Bowman, a guy that won two weeks ago. 
uh, kind of has broken out and suddenly become, outside of William Byron, the most consistent Hendrick Carr. Didn't think we'd be saying that after how well Kyle Larson was running and the fact that Chase Elliott is the defending champion, but Alex Bowman has looked very well as of recently, and he's going to attract that he has, like William Byron, specifically pinpointed as one that he is very confident in, and he starts deep in the field. So Alex Bowman, great pick for DFS this week. Behind him, Cole's winner, Kevin Harvick, again, is going to start, I believe, sixth this week, and he is worth 9,100 in DFS this week. William Byron at 8,800 was our third highest ranked driver. Kyle Busch, pretty undervalued this week, in my opinion. He's worth 8,600. And, you know, again, I don't have the starting lineup in front of me, but I believe he was starting eighth or ninth. And, and again, that's right in my sweet spot of drivers with starting positions that I like. Behind that, Tyler Reddick, a guy who we mentioned was stacking pennies to some degree. We'll see if he can continue to perform well. And finally, my sleeper for this week, Chris Buescher, rounds out the lineup at 6,100. Yeah, I'd say I'm pretty comfortable with this lineup, to be honest with you. Um, there's a, a good diversity of drivers in here. Uh, I will say before I locked this one in, I had a one that I, I liked a lot, but I didn't take into consideration the the position differential and, and, and the potential for disaster there. Because I had Cole Custer in there starting top 10. That's going to be a bit of a risk. I had Austin Dillon in place of uh, someone else. But uh, there's a lot of ways you can work this. I feel very comfortable with this lineup. Um, I think we've learned from our mistakes. Keep William Byron in your lineup as long as you can. Even this race, valued at 8,800, I feel like that's still being undervalued, even though he's starting second, because he's, without a doubt in my mind, one of the favorites to win this race, and he's been one of the best drivers all year. So, William Byron's got to be a staple in your lineup for the foreseeable future. Having a guy like Kevin Harvick in there, and Kyle Busch, and, and two champions, and, and two guys who excel at this track, you can't go wrong. And Tyler Reddick, here, he's a guy I kind of actually was apprehensive to pick, only because he hasn't been the best at Kansas, but he's he's hot right now. He, he, he should have momentum on his side. I think he's trending in the right direction. If he doesn't do good this week, then, then, then we'll take him out, you know, but whatever. Uh, and then, yes, I think your Chris Buescher pick was a, a great pick because, as William Byron mentioned, it's trending in the sense, uh, it's trending in the direction of Homestead, and he got the stage win at that track. He led a lot of laps. Uh, definitely great pick. And, yes, Alex Bowman, on par with Chase Elliott for the best average finish of sixth at Kansas over the last two years. So, uh, yeah, solid lineup. Yeah, and again, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but, like, we pick William Byron all the time, and he never fails us. I mean, he's been, I would say maybe, outside of Denny Hamlin, the most consistent driver all of this year. And yep. he's going to he's gonna get you a top five or top ten every single week, and he damn well might win this week. So I don't care that he's starting second. If you're going to pick a driver that's starting in the top 10 this week or the top five. I like William Byron over all of them, but we're also picking Kevin Harvick, who is starting fourth. So, you know, those two drivers, I feel like are as safe a bet as you're going to find this week with how well they run at this track and how well they've run at mile and a half tracks. I mean, outside of the fact that this is Kansas, let's just think about the cars that have run well at mile and a half tracks this year. You've got Hendrick Motorsports. They have run extremely well at the intermediate tracks. And for that reason, Kyle Larson also makes a lot of sense because he's very undervalued this week. He's in a slump, as we mentioned at the top of the show, but he's starting, I believe, 32nd, and he's run probably better than anybody at these mile-and-a-half tracks this year, so you've got to expect that he's going to charge his way through the field, provided that there's no outside obstacles or circumstances that 
come into play like he had the past two weeks. Anyway, you know, I want to get back to something that we keep forgetting to do because we were trying to do it at the beginning of the show, but it's honestly a little bit too overwhelming. Let's get back into our favorite memories from the track that we're going to because that's such a great aspect that I do want to keep bringing back into the show. And with that, my favorite Kansas memory is, is such an easy one. And it's it's from back in 2008, one of my favorite races <laughs> slash finishes of all time. Yes. And again, this was the season that we both started watching NASCAR, 2008. The Kansas Chase Race, where Jimmy Johnson was in first place. Carl Edwards made the big dive bomb into turn three uh, on the final lap of the race and slammed into the wall. Just an iconic interview after the race said <laughs> he tried it in a video game. It worked. He figured he would try it in real life. It didn't work. And, and that was just an unbelievable, you know, chain, roller coaster ride of emotions for me, a young Jimmy Johnson fan at the time. And obviously the triumph, you know, being a Jimmy fan and watching him win that race and kind of sail off with the championship at that point, halfway through the chase. Um, but such a fun, again, roller coaster uh, ending to the race. And, and Carl, Carl Edwards, just the great sport that he was uh, throughout his entire career, uh, had a lot of fun with uh, his explanation, even though the race did not end up going as he wanted it to. So, for me, that's an easy favorite memory for me at Kansas. I'll be honest, that's mine because I have no other notable finishes or memories from Kansas. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's it's a good little track, but it's not very memorable in terms of races or moment, moments. So that is one of the top moments for me, I think, since we've been watching. Like, that was, uh, what a wild interview. <laughs> Just, yeah. you know, um, I, I will say this, though. Uh, going to Kansas for the first time, I expect to make many memories. Um, I'm very excited to see the track and the surrounding areas. And a little bit of a, a cool element added to this, our boy Rodney Sears from Phoenix Raceway, he will be there as the director of communications. So can't wait to see him out there and uh, all the usual suspects in the media center. So it should be fun. Shouts out, Rodney. I mean, anytime <laughs> you're at the track, at any track, uh, especially if it's uh, you know on a NASCAR race weekend, it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know how much fun you're going to have with the surrounding areas out in Kansas, but... They you have know, good barbecue, apparently, so... I, I Okay, if they got good barbecue, I mean, you never know. It could be a, a fun weekend for you. I mean, I think it will be anyway. Like you said, it's honestly, in my opinion, it's one of the more underrated tracks because like we can continue to talk about, it's at kind of a random state and it's always at kind of an odd time of the year, right in the middle of the season or in the middle of the chase slash playoffs. Um, but it always provides great racing, not the most memorable finishes a lot of the time, but always great racing. And uh, it's, a, it's a race I'm excited to watch. So we'll see how it goes. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of The Money Stop. Please follow us on social media at the underscore money stop. Take a look at our graphics for this week. Lots of great infographics for the drivers that are really cruising at this point of the season, as well as our nickel or dime. You can get a, a good look at all the paint schemes this week that are special all in one place, as well as a visual of our DFS lineup recommendation and all kinds of other things, maybe even some live content from the track yep. at Cole's social account. My personal one is at Steven underscore Cusimano. I don't do a lot of tweeting, but if you want to follow Cole, his handle is at Cole underscore Cusimano underscore. He's going to have great updates all weekend, again, covering the race live at Kansas Speedway. Yes, I, I'm really hoping that, that the access is a little bit more, uh, you know, gracious because covering phoenix and covering vegas it was definitely still restricted from covid uh, for obvious reasons but you know things are starting to open up again it's uh we're getting into those those spring summer months so you never know uh, but i'm excited to get out there and yes i will be providing content regardless from the track pictures 
tweets, you name it, it'll be on on uh, Twitter. Thank you again so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week recapping the Kansas race and actually moving on to Darlington. Yes. Throwback <laughs> week coming up. We're going to have top fives of all the paint schemes uh, that are taking place there. So, again, see you next week, and enjoy Kansas.